Left It But Me. I'm your host, Lisa Hatcher. I'm a freelance journalist, writer, and editor in Central Ohio. If you're new to the podcast, I'm so happy you're here. And everyone loved it but me. I feel all opinions matter, even when someone reads that super, super popular book and didn't love it. Eh, it's okay. All of my episodes with titles of book names, such as Where the Crawdads Sing or Goldfinch, those are all Everyone Loved It But Me books. Those are episodes where we had one guest on that had a very unique opinion about that super popular book. No book bashing, but just good, insightful literature discussion. If you're listening to an episode like today called Book Bits, oh, these episodes are where we get to chat about all sorts of bookish topics. Now today is a true treat. I just had the opportunity to speak with journalist and author Elizabeth McBride for an Everyone Loved It But Me book, which will be coming out shortly on The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. Stay tuned for that. It's coming out very, very soon. But in our discussions, we spoke about what it was like for her to write her book in the pandemic. And it's really timely because her book, The New Builders, is all about small businesses. So I thought this would be a perfect book bit. And also, I had another awesome conversation with Storm Coppage, who is the Fowlerville, Michigan Library's Youth Services Coordinator. Storm and I just chatted about The Book Thief, which, stay tuned, that one is slated for early 2022 for an Everyone Loved It But Me. While we were having our our conversation about the book, Storm and I started talking about something else very timely, where a rural Pennsylvania library was denied $3,000 because two commissioners felt like the library was supporting a hate group. So please stay tuned. Storm and I are going to take a a deep dive, if you will, talking about this, um, this important topic. Now on to the show. We are going to jump right into my conversation with Elizabeth McBride, journalist, writer, editor, and founder at Times of Entrepreneurship. She's co-author of the book, The New Builders. She's a speaker and small business advocate. Elizabeth's book was just released this year, and you kind of get to hear us chit-chat a little bit about what it was like for her writing that book during the pandemic. Well, and I want I want to jump, since we started at the beginning, saying that you had written a book, The New Builders, which I mentioned in your introduction, and you were saying how, how difficult it is. I actually have a copy of your book right here, and I know you wrote it with co-author Seth Levine. You were writing it right before the pandemic, and in the pandemic, right? What was that like? Yeah, that's right. Um, Oh, it was hard, actually. It was very, so it's a nonfiction book. Yes. It's it's a book that really, it's a book that advocates, there's nothing, I always, I have some fiction, like many journalists, I have fiction aspirations, but this was a book that ended up coming to fruition because Seth and I both saw some facts about our economy and how badly small businesses were hurting both in the economy generally and in the pandemic. So the book is really an attempt to to elevate some of these issues that have existed for a long time. Like uh, small business ownership in the U.S. has been declining for 40 years, which people don't generally realize. Like we tend to think of our 
country is very innovative and full of entrepreneurs, and that's really not true at all. So the book was written because of that, and then we accelerated it during the pandemic because so many small businesses were suffering so badly. You know, I think something like a quarter of all small businesses closed during 2020. Gosh, so awful. I mean, which is right. Yeah. So, so that's, and it was hard, right? Because it's very hard to write. Uh, you'll know this as a journalist too. It's very hard to write a book when the facts around you keep changing. Yes. Because, the, yes. <laughs> you know, the book's got to accommodate. Yeah. Yes. True, true going forward into the future, but everything is changing around us during the pandemic. So that was a big challenge of writing the book. Well, it had um, to be, and that's what... But, yeah, because you're a journalist, because you know, right? It's sort of like writing a story tomorrow that needs to ring true a year from now. Right. Because that's how right. books work, right? It's, it's right. a long time to get one out. Um, so that so that was a major challenge of it. But it's been actually very... It's been tremendously successful for a non For a nonfiction book focusing on small business, like I like to say, yes. there are not very many of them that, right. that kind of rise in the national conversation. And this one, you know, we were on All Things Considered and good, uh, good. Tyra Banks wrote the foreword. Tyra, wrote, yes, that's I, what I, I was going to... I think we successfully... Yes, and her foreword yeah. was, <laughs> was so lovely. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought she just wrote mm-hmm. a really nice foreword. My apologies, everybody, as I'm turning pages. In fact, in the end of her foreword, I really liked, she was giving this anecdote, and she's saying, now back to the man who lent me the change from his pocket for my own biz. He's the co-author of this book. Yep. Hi, Seth. Thank you so much for seeing my power. Okay, back to you, reader. Turn the page and experience how together we can turn the world around. Elizabeth and Seth, thank you for giving voice to this community, to these amazing change makers, to these new builders. Tyra Binks. And then it and then it jumps in and you guys talk and it's really what I like about it. My apologies again. I was just like changing the pages guys is that it's these different kind of anecdotes of these small businesses and how they're grappling and how they're dealing with things and in the pandemic. And what I think would have been so hard for you is to do these, you know, because there were times where you couldn't even really travel. So that, that is what I was thinking of during the pandemic would have made it very challenging. I traveled a lot anyway. Like I was one of the people that was out on the road a little bit more okay. than others. Yeah. Um, yeah. I took advantage of windows where the cases were falling. Sure. Like some of the reporting was done in the summer. Right, right. And, you know, took all the took all the precautions. And, uh, yeah, I just, I tra- I used every trick in my journalistic handbook to do the reporting during the pandemic. Yeah. I still do that now with the reporting right. that we're doing today. Right. I just got back actually from a reporting trip to um, Colorado a couple of weeks ago. Oh, nice. So you can still do it. Yeah, right? sure. And, yeah. And you figure if you're, if you're a reporter, right, you're out there and you're one person, usually talking to one person. It's not like you're throwing a big party. Right. Or right. the really, the high risk gatherings are really not part of a reporting. For sure. Um, yeah, it's not what you do as a reporter. Absolutely, yeah, it's definitely more one-on-one. What was that the biggest challenge was doing it during the pandemic, or was there something else that was hard, even harder than that? Oh, there's tons of challenges to writing a small business book, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> there are right. about 
There are thousands. Right. I mean, the business book market is is all about how do you grow the next Amazon? Right. 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 Those are those are the books people want to read, which are, they're almost like as a, they're almost like as fantastical as the Invisible Life of Addie Lee. <laughs> right. Because. Um, this, there's like a million people that read Jeff Bezos's autobiography and they're like, uh, oh, I could do that. But yeah, nobody has. <laughs> so, right, right, um, right. But those are the books that people want But those are the books that people want to read. And so to really elevate the idea that small businesses are important and that we need to save them. That doesn't get a whole lot of attention in our culture right now because we're super obsessed with size. Absolutely. Right. And you're talking with, you know, businesses that had just, you know, a couple of employees in some cases, right? Or, you know, really. But that's always kind of been the heart of our country. And these are the businesses that, that, you know, we've all been struggling, especially during the pandemic. So I think it's an essential book. I'm really glad that you wrote it. You're going to be speaking about it as well, right? I think we've probably done close to a hundred different events. Nice. The book came out in May. Okay. Um, and we're, we're still doing events now. There's a lot of people that that want to have a more serious discussion about our economy and why it's so stacked against small businesses, why we favor big businesses so much right now. Mm-hmm. So it's the conversation's still bubbling today. I'm in um, Boston getting ready for a talk to MIT students who are actually more and more of them are interested in starting the kinds of companies that are in this book versus the software yes. companies right. like 10 or 15 years ago. Right. Right? People's, people, people are kind of, their aspirations are changing right now, I think, because of the pandemic in part. I think you're right. I mean, it's caused everybody to be more reflective, right? And look at what really matters and how can you live your life, be with family and friends and do the things you want to do. It's Mm -hmm. been a big reflection and you can see that in, you know, the way we're living now. I like the pictures in the book because these cakes look so good. The sweets, (laughs) I swear you guys, like that's what I'm totally like. Every time I would, like I haven't had a chance to read all of it, but I've been, you know, bopping around reading certain sections and and I was like, oh, the sweets. (laughs) But but there's more business. Yeah, Denarius is really really good yes, <laughs> yeah there's a baker in the book and a yes. dominican baker and yes I can, I can absolutely tell you that her her cookies and cakes are really awesome well yeah. i yeah <laughs> i can tell that <laughs> and i think that the the key to a book like this being su- successful is these people opening up which they did they really opened up and they shared and it's not easy it's not easy to get people to open up and to really talk about the challenges that that they're facing and i think that's what one of the real successes here it means a lot to me because you and I both know, yeah, as a journalist, that's a key part of what we do. And right, right. There aren't enough, there aren't enough journalists left. You know, it, here's like a bigger issue. I feel like people are going to listen to this podcast and be like, oh, my gosh, this woman is like Debbie Downer. <laughs> <laughs> because I, like we're in a serious time right now, I think. Yes. But, you know, the number right. of journalists who have been 
And our profession has declined in half yes. in the past yeah. 15 years. Absolutely. There, there used to be 80,000 journalists in America, and now it's down to like 40. Right. So right. Right. Some, some of these skills of like getting you know, getting a truthful account out of people, it's not that's not always easy to do and then presenting it to the world in a in a way that makes your own biases clear. I don't really believe in objectivity, but a way that is professional. Like right. that's a skill you and I both have that that is a dying skill. For sure. For sure. So. No, you're absolutely right. Thank you so much to Elizabeth for offering such insight about what it was like writing her book. And remember, we'll get to hear from her again very soon when she offers additional insight on her true feelings of the invisible life of Addie LaRue. Now we're going to jump into my conversation with Storm Coppage. Storm is Fowlerville, Michigan's Library Youth Services Coordinator. She graduated from Wayne State University with a master's degree in library and information science. But Storm is pretty well known because she's bookish TikTok famous and makes these incredible library bookish TikToks that have been viewed by hundreds of thousands of people. She does some really fun one-star reviews, which we'll talk about on future episodes. Today, I am sharing my discussion with Storm where we talked about a TikTok She had released about the Fulton County Library. That's a library in rural Pennsylvania. In the end of November 2021, they had asked for additional $3,000 in funding. The library usually gets about $12,000 annually. So two of the commissioners voted against that request, saying the library holds a bi-weekly LBGTQ support group And they described it as a hate group. And they said that they did not want to support that. And I thought this was just really an interesting, timely topic that I kind of wanted everyone to hear about. And Storm and I recorded this again just in this first week of December 2021. So I'm going to, to share a link to the TikTok as well in the show notes so that you can see it. And then I'm going to just jump into my conversation with Storm so you can hear why she shared this. Here we go. You had mentioned in one of your TikToks, the Fulton County Library, right in rural Pennsylvania. This library system was asking for an additional $3,000 in funding. The commission voted no because the library had recently agreed to host a bi-weekly LBGTQ support group. And two of the commissioners felt that it was, uh, they called it a hate group. And they said, oh, we can't support that. And I thought it was really interesting because you did this great TikTok storm. It was (laughs) really good where you kind of explained it and said, there's good news that's happened out of that. And I'll let you share it. Sure. Yeah. As you've said that they were denied the funding. They were asking for, yeah, like a measly $3,000 extra, which is actually what their budget was about 10 years ago that's where their budget was so they were just trying yeah. to get back to where they used to be which i think is also just just sad that they were like no and then when they found out that oh yes they were labeling the lgbtq community as a hate group fortunately and unfortunately that angered a lot of people because the good news is that because of that so many people have rallied together and i don't know where they are now but they have raised so yes. much money for that library now and it is just so wonderful it was was such a nice heartwarming story to um just kind of promote just like like show people that libraries are still 
facing these types of struggles because of because people think you know the lgbt community right community is a hate group and that's something that's i try to tell people whenever i can that if they happen to find a book on the shelf that is lgbtq or something like that and they like it to say something about it to say that they like it because more often than not our libraries only hear the negative side of it and we have to fight to keep it into the system so if we get positive comments about it it just helps us so much and it helps people that want absolutely to to keep them in the library but yes it was a nice heartwarming story i think it's more than i saw more than there were around thirty thousand. 30,000, right. yes. Yes, yes. Incredible. And it goes back to, you know, you and I were, were talking about the book thief, right? With it being kind of the library and books being a safe haven. And I think this really resonates. I want to thank Elizabeth McBride and Storm Coppage so much for talking with me today. And again, as I said, you will hear Elizabeth again very soon for her thoughts on the invisible life of Addie LaRue. And you'll get to hear Storm in early 2022, very early 2022, talking about the book thief. Thank you so much to these two incredible ladies for for speaking with me. And I want to thank all of you for listening. And as a reminder, I'm a one woman show. I write and edit and produce everything from my central Ohio home in my closet. And if you ever have an everyone loved it, but me book that you'd like to talk about or learn more about the show, please go to www.everyoneloveditbutme.com. Please consider a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. And chances are, if you enjoyed this podcast, one of your friends might. So please let them know about the show. And uh, any books that we discuss, I will include links in the show notes. And I receive a tiny compensation if you do purchase one of those books. I hope you have a wonderful day. And most importantly, I hope you have time to read today. 